You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Iran accuses Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and the U.S. of running Saturday's terror attack from the shadows. There's been data exposure at the U.N., the Cody platforms exploited for cryptojacking. The Shine retail breach affects more than 6 million. Atlanta says its ransomware incident is now over. The FBI warns of payroll phishing. A U.S. strategy for quantum technology is offered. We've got a look at sports and cybersecurity. And has the Ryman hypothesis been proved? From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. According to reports in Deutsche Welle, Iran accused Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and the United States of complicity in Saturday's terrorist attack on a military parade. The UAE called the allegations baseless. The U.S. said Iran should look to itself for the explanation, and Saudi Arabia said nothing. So far, the responses to this awful attack have been hard words, but Iran's international adversaries should look to their cyber defenses. The United Nations has suffered a data exposure incident. Last month, a researcher found ways of accessing the UN's Trello tool, where he found ways into the UN's Google Docs and JIRA pages. A range of sensitive information was exposed. The researcher disclosed his findings to the UN, but the world body took notice only after the intercept broke the story. It's now six months since the city of Atlanta was hit with ransomware, and the city says the incident is now over. But there's a sour taste in Georgia mouths. The local CBS affiliate reports that the city doesn't know who hit them, what they hit them with, or how much they've had to spend to fix things. The Shine fashion retailer sustained a data breach in which records belonging to some 6.4 million customers were exposed. The incident happened in June, but Shine discovered it only late last month. It happens pretty much every time we install a new bit of software. We find ourselves staring down a EULA, an end-user license agreement. It's most often an interminable laundry list of terms and conditions cloaked in impenetrable legalese. Not only is it frustrating, but it defeats its own legitimate purpose, 
to explain the expectations and agreements between the maker of the software and the user. Users generally dislike this style of EULA, and now some companies are responding and trying to make things a whole lot easier to understand. From our CyberWire UK desk, Carol Terrio has the story. Security professionals keep reminding us to read the terms and conditions before we sign up for an app or an online service or even on a website. They tell us this because this is where companies have to disclose how they plan to manage your privacy. This is where you find out what the information they're going to take from you, how they might track you, or whether they send information to third parties. The problem is that many of these agreements are confusing. To most of us, it can seem like just a bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo. And recent research shows that over time, users split into two groups. Those that become what they call acceptors, these are people who felt their online access was more important than any of their privacy concerns. Or managers, people who strategically control information to reduce their vulnerability online. I went on the hunt for companies that simplify their terms to make them more accessible for the non-eagle eagles out there. And in my search, I found this company called Axel. They create file sharing tools and their terms start with this statement. These are our terms of use. We have tried to state them clearly and simply. By using Axel, you are agreeing to these terms of use. If you don't like what you read, please don't use Axel. It's that simple. Pretty refreshing, right? So I got in touch with Jeremy Forsberg. He's the CMO at Axel to ask him what made him decide to take this approach. Our founders have this at their core. They, they set up this company because they did not believe that we should compromise our data, our privacy for the sake of convenience. You know, we were you basically told you get one or the other. And we're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't have to be the case. You can have convenience, but you also can maintain your privacy and greater control over your data. And so that's the, the, the approach that we take. So it really compels us. It motivates us to, to, to kind of be better for our users. And we shouldn't be manipulating people into, into, into signing up to terms and conditions that may be unfair to them without their full knowledge, because look, there will be a backlash at some point. And you know, that's what it feels like. It feels like manipulation when the agreement is overly complex. There's this other bit in the Axel agreement that says, everything that you save in using Axel stays yours. We realize that's a crazy concept. Axel only does the things you ask it to do with your consent. You are in control. See our Privacy Bill of Rights. And I like this too. I studied law and I struggle to understand the terms and conditions and what it genuinely means for me. And I think the key thing is, is we want to build a little bit more trust and transparency with our users. And, you know, and we noticed the failings that other companies, big companies, you know, load up with in their terms of service. And it's just felt unfair for people to, to tick a box when they don't really understand what's going on. Maybe you can tell us and other companies out there that might be flirting with the idea of simplifying their agreements, what the benefits are. Like, how does it improve your relationship with your customers, improve your business? Well, I think it makes it more focused on our users, which allows us to connect with our users a little bit more and actually build up a relationship and build up a dialogue. Ultimately, you know, what you want to do is you can't necessarily speak to every person one by one, especially if you're in a growing company. Okay, but... Here is an issue, right? So nobody really wants to have more regulation. Companies kind of don't want to have to comply with it all, and it can be complex. I mean, just look at GDPR, right? So if we think about 
how do individuals, users fight back? If we go back to that idea of acceptors and managers, how do we make people shift over from acceptors to managers? If they need to use a platform for some reason, they're just going to have to weight that up with, with, with their data and you know, what they feel like they're compromising. A lot of the big social platforms and search platforms are asking a lot of people. They're asking people to give up a lot and people don't realize it. And that really frustrates me. You know, that it really frustrates me that people are being asked to compromise so much about their, their identities, their digital identities, without really understanding. You know, I like what Jeremy is saying there. Maybe we just need to reprioritize our interests and we need to think carefully about the services we sign up for. Instead of accepting tracking and data collection willy-nilly, we should make the time to review the privacy policy. And if we don't understand what the words mean or find the policy, well, a bit creepy, shouldn't we exercise our right to say no way? Tell you what, my privacy boots are certainly made for walking. It's not just a, a legal or a moral decision, it's a business decision. This was Carol Terrio for The Cyberwire. And of course, you can hear more of Carol Terrio on the Smashing Security podcast along with her co-host, Graham Cluley. The U.S. FBI has issued a warning that criminals are actively phishing for payroll login credentials. These are the sorts of accounts organizations use to enable their employees to check when and how much they've been paid. They also often enable employees to change direct deposit accounts or request prepaid debit cards. Those last two possibilities are the ones that criminals find attractive, since they give them a way to loot bank accounts. There are two general lessons to be drawn from this trend in online crime. First, criminals are moving to the cloud just as enterprises are. Compromising this sort of payroll service usually doesn't involve any intrusion into an organization's networks, still less the compromise of any endpoints. If an employee gives up his or her credentials, the crooks will cheerfully precipitate cash from the cloud. Second, organizations teach by the way they communicate. If your organization is in the habit of sending employees emails with links to click, if this is the way you handle communication about accounts and credentials, you're teaching your employees some dangerous security habits. The U.S. has announced a national strategy for quantum information science. Major companies meeting at the White House to discuss the strategy include J.P. Morgan Chase, IBM, Honeywell, Lockheed Martin, Goldman Sachs, AT&T, Intel, Northrop Grumman, and Google. The strategy includes, but isn't confined to, quantum computing and its implications for cryptography and security generally. It extends to most aspects of information technology and, according to some reports, to the prospect of advancing work on materials by design. Something about quantum theory has long troubled our physics desk. You've heard of Schrodinger's cat, the unobserved cat in the closed box that's neither alive nor dead until somebody looks in. That's always struck our experts as a gratuitously cruel thought experiment. They prefer Schrodinger's dog. They prefer Schrodinger's dog. The dog is unobserved, neither standing cheekily on top of the dining room table nor staying dutifully on the floor. Consider the dog to be in a state of quantum superimposition until Mom walks in, sees what's up, and vigorously collapses his wave packet for him. That's better, right? Anyway, we've always been a BYOD shop that's 
Bring your own dog here at the Cyberwire. Security firm Panarays has taken a look at American professional football to see which National Football League teams have the most secure websites. They conclude that the top five are, counting down to the most secure, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as the Yinzers would pronounce it, the Los Angeles Rams, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and coming in at number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. The study is obviously flawed since it completely overlooks the Baltimore Ravens, the only team to our knowledge who ever had a lineman on the roster, the now-retired John Urschel, who was invited to deliver papers on applied mathematics to NSA at Fort Meade. So fooey. On the other hand, our sports desk has long been a hotbed of admiration for Kansas City defensive coordinator Bob Sutton, so maybe there could be something to the study after all. And finally, at a conference in Heidelberg, mathematician Michael Atia says he's proved the Ryman hypothesis, but stops short of offering the proof itself. He can say what he wants, but we'll believe it when John Urschel tells us it's so. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Johannes Ulrich. He's from the Sands Institute. He's also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast. Johannes, welcome back. Uh, We wanted to touch today about uh, hurricane and disaster-related scams. We recently had Hurricane Florence came at the east coast of the U.S., and with that comes people who are trying to profit off of that. What can you share with us? Yeah, thanks for having me. So with these hurricanes, it's sort of an annual reminder really that whenever there is a large disaster that of course uh, gets people interested uh, makes the news and also makes people want to help that there are people that take advantage of it and what we have seen in the past is for example fake charities that are 
all of a sudden springing up and that register uh, host names or web addresses that are then being used to advertise their services. Also, a lot of lawyers lately that sort of jump in and essentially do ambulance chasing, I guess it's called, hmm. trying to get cases lined up. So really, it's more my sort of be aware. Um, don't necessarily trust anybody that you haven't done business with before, whether that's a charity, whether that's uh, a lawyer, whether that's a contractor. Yeah, we saw a couple of stories come by. One of was uh, people were actually, the scammers were actually going door to door uh, telling people that they had to evacuate, and uh, the notion was that they were they were basically casing the joints to see who was home, who was planning on staying, who was planning on going, so they could come back later and and uh, presumably rob the place. Yeah, and that's another sort of issue. Um, so the the cyber component of this is if you, for example, advertise on Facebook or such that you evacuated, uh, this may be used uh, by criminals then to target uh, your residents uh, for burglary. Yeah, and uh, and of course the, the the phishing campaigns come through with the uh, the targeted attacks. Uh, we saw another one that people were saying that uh, they were trying to gather information by saying, in order to be eligible for disaster relief funds after the fact, we need all of your personal information now. Yes, and that's actually something I saw last year uh, when uh, Hurricane Ian moved uh, through Jacksonville. Uh, where I live, uh, a couple of my neighbors uh, a couple months later got letters from FEMA telling them that they applied for disaster assistance and essentially without them ever doing so. So essentially what's happening is that people use stolen stolen data they either got via targeted phishing emails like this or from other breaches to apply for disaster relief. And then, of course, the money is actually paid pretty quickly, but then later FEMA or whoever paid the money comes back to actually verify the information. And at that point, of course, they are now contacting the victim of the scam that whose information got, got stolen. Yeah, and, and I think it's also an important point that, you know, for those of us who are in the business, we kind of, we're tuned to recognize these things. But I think it's important to reach out to other family members, particularly if you have uh, elderly family members who may be more susceptible to these. Yes, that's very important because people are under distress when they're receiving these emails. They worry about evacuating and they're necessarily not verifying all of these emails and these messages they're getting very carefully. Yeah. All right. Well, it's certainly a cautionary tale. Johannes Ulrich, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. 
Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.